Ladies and gentlemen, one and all, welcome back to the Real Shit Baseball Podcast. It feels so weird coming off of my lips to say those words, Tyler. Mm-hmm. But it's so spicy. It is so spicy. It's been such a long time coming, and I'm so glad to be back. You, of course, hopefully will recognize these tones as those of Drew Wheeler, the faithful Deputy Commissioner of the Real Shit Baseball League, the manager of the Real Shit Phillies, friend to many of the managers in this league, but we won't go into that just quite yet. And with me, as always, is my favorite co-host, my favorite compadre, my favorite compatriot. He is a good friend, the manager of the Real Shit Rays. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Tyler Jackson. Tyler, how the hell you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, man. It's just been a long time coming getting back on this it sure has i i know that just a little bit of behind the scenes for everybody who's unaware which to this point should be very few of you since i texted everyone in my phone book and asked if you wanted to be on the podcast so none of you bastards should be surprised at this point but yes uh this was supposed to be a surprise podcast that tyler and i wanted to present to you all just to say you know, we're sorry. We haven't been able to record, and we're so glad to be able to just talk to you for a little bit. On this, one of the biggest weeks of the year for real shit. Tyler, it's it's a very busy week. Yes, sir. Lots of um, lots of stuff going on, man. Yeah. Um, let's see. First, we got our trade deadline, and, um, and then the next day, I believe, our big prospect draft. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a monumental week. Lots of Lots of very exciting things, and our fearless commissioner, Freddie Culver, has jam-packed it all into one action-packed week of fun. So that is spectacular. I did, Tyler, a little bit going off topic here, and that's okay. We'll leave it in for the listeners at home. I did just get a text message. I think we are going to be joined for our second portion of the podcast tonight by a special guest. Oh, Somebody, uh, I guess I guess we should go ahead and tell you. What we're going to do first is we're going to tell you about the league, how it's been going since it's been, you know, almost the whole damn season and we haven't talked to you. But after that, we're going to give you a couple of quick trade ideas. Tyler and I have each built three trades using real shit teams that are not our own. And we're going to tell you kind of what we think could help some teams who may be looking to buy, help some teams who may be looking to sell as we're headed towards the trade deadline. And then Tyler, tell them what we got for the second half of the episode it's something me and you are very passionate about. Yes. Um, we're very passionate about young men in baseball pants. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I meant was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I meant prospects, 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 baby. Amen, baby. I'm so excited. It's it's about time for a farm report. Uh, what You know, farm animals of a different kind, man. Down on the farm comes back. That's right. My favorite segment. It was it was a hell of a segment. Uh, I'm excited to do it. I'm excited to be back. So Tyler, I wish, man, because you have had uh, you've had quite a year. Your second extremely successful year, I'd call it, in a row so far. Uh, this year has been the second of two. Would you mind filling us in on what's been happening in the league so far this year? Yeah. Um, so I'm just gonna click on our league standings real quick and just kind of go through that. Um, really, it's been um, a tale of two halves, I guess you could say, mm. uh, whereas real shit is concerned. Because at this moment, uh, we have, what, maybe five or six weeks left in the regular season? That's maybe right. not even I that. I believe it's six weeks, uh, including this one in the regular season. Okay. So... Um, at this moment, um, we have eight teams. The top eight teams are within a rough estimate, probably about 14 or 15 games of each other, one through eight. And that is awesome. Um, extremely I think, competitive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, every week is a nail-biter. Um, and 
it's it's nerve-wracking it's been a lot of fun though um and then on the other end the the bottom half nine through 16 um those teams it's been a long year i guess you could say uh there's really no chance that any of these teams could um make a cinderella run because they're so far out of it i think the ninth place team is 31 and a half games back of first place and that's a lot of ground to cover so um yeah so right now our uh top two teams the red Sox, mr jandy man himself um he's in first place he has a record of 118 64 and 10 and then tops in the national league is well very, very familiar team to you i think <laughs> it's the fighting fields they're, they're at 114 68 and 10 they're a game above the cardinals and i meant to say the red Sox. they've got a nice little six and a half game cushion on the mariners um and if the season ended today um our champion from last year, the Yankees, would miss the playoffs by half a game, which is crazy because his team is so damn good. It's insane. I saw a statistic the other day on Twitter, speaking of Kyle's team, that I'll share really quickly. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge each have 114 or some, some insane quality number of like balls hit over 110 miles per hour this year. The entire Dodgers team has less than 10. <laughs> No way. It, I, I, I'm butchering these numbers, and it's just I, – I don't I can't be bothered to go through my text messages to Kyle to see it, but it's ludicrous. His team is crazy. Obviously, we haven't spoken since last year. Kyle's Yankees did make history the first three-time champion in real shit history, but you said a lot, man, and the story of the year, in my opinion so far, has got to be Jandy, man. He has, uh, for the first time in his real shit career, he has got a, uh, a humongous chance at the – at the championship, oh, yeah. not even the playoffs. I think he's at this point a championship favorite. He has to be. It's been mm-hmm. uh, it's been an amazing year. He's had a he's had a great team all year. Um, there's still still some things he could use, and perhaps here in a moment we can talk about those kinds of things. But for the here and now, he's got a team worth being afraid of, and that's nothing to take away from you know from yourself who has had you've had a sickeningly good year. Um, Kyle's had a sickeningly good year. Mariners. What about Mike? He's had an amazing season. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> That's probably so, I guess, talking to you guys. The uh, AL has been as brutal as it's ever been, but you know the NL was absolutely no slouch, and games as, as recent as last week can tell you that. You know, we were talking about the teams uh, 9-16, to but Pirates – and Cubs, that Giants, they made pushes on some NL bullies this season just as quickly as, or as as recently as last week, man. And these are teams that, you know, you've got to be excited for, at least in terms of, you know, those in the league who want to see a more balanced, you know, NL and AL. This, is, this has been as competitive as the NL has ever been. Every week is a fight, and that's the same thing as we've grown to expect from the AL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, even last week I lost to Paul, and uh, I mean, I'm. You could probably ask him. He probably didn't want to win that game, and he did anyway. So I would have, um, I would have loved to I mean, have asked just... Paul, but he said he was too busy watching <laughs> Always Sunny to come on. So, all right. Well, I if you're gonna throw an excuse out there, I guess that one is all right. I suppose we'll we'll make it work. We'll make it work without. I still don't forgive him, but you know. Yeah, we can we can uh, forgive or forget and not forgive, and that's backwards. (laughs) But that's just damn fine. That's just damn fine. (laughs) That is damn fine. It's been it's been a great season though, and you know I guess it's easy for us to say you and I are both still in the playoff hunt, but we have some teams that I think are kind of making the best of the situation they're in. I know that Rodello's Cubs. Had a had a really good year last year, and he, he's put together a really solid team since he's come into the league. And now this year, for the first time in a minute, he's you know taken on the role of seller. He's sold off some pieces, and I think could still do some selling, but you know he's he's making the best of it. He's making trades as you know as recently as this afternoon with me, and I know he's obviously shopping players. We saw a post earlier today that he's shopping Dylan Bundy and Paul Blackburn. And he's he's staying active. Clay the same way. Got to give him credit. Um, I know that 
Uh, I know that Pete is staying active with the Pirates. He's he's staying out there, putting stuff on the board and on the block. I know Paul has been pushing lately. I know John, who is, you know, John and Paul both kind of unfamiliar with the bottom of the standings, but, you know, they're both trying to make the best of their situation. Mm-hmm. And and Matt. Matt as well. Matt, man, Matt, this year, I think he has just been snake bitten something stupid. And I feel like we've said that maybe last year or the year before that his team was just so snake bitten. But this year, it's, it seems like it's been injuries or one thing after another, and to have had the huge collection of talent that Matt had. It's just, um, it is unfortunate to see him selling off, but man, the pieces he's gotten for the future, I think he has got some literal studs just top to bottom on that roster. Uh, yeah. Why don't you just, uh, ask him about the trade he made last night? Cause that yep. one's hurting me. Yep. Uh, so if you haven't heard, if you haven't seen it, it is a big trade that went down. Uh, Tyler, and Matt have swapped. Tyler is going to be the proud new owner of a slightly used Mookie Betts. Uh, his contract is what three and got to be fifty-one, three fifty-one. And then in exchange, Matt is going to add to the stable of studs. He's going to get Riley Green back, and he's also adding Nolan Gorman. Oh my God! At the prospect hall. I know, I know, but I had to do it. You had to do it. One of the things that I pointed out for our next segment that we'll talk about here in just a second. One of the things that I noticed about your team, though, Tyler, is that you definitely could have used some help at second base, maybe some help at outfield, and you've got a player that can do both of those things, man. That's right. That's right. So, And obviously, he does a lot more than just play. He plays very well. He does. He does. Um, I do think that Matt got a pretty good haul. Um but, yeah, I mean, who couldn't use a top 15 player in fantasy? Oh, sure. So, Every, everyone. Everyone could. If you're contending, Mookie needs to be on your radar. So, great move for both of you. I, I'm really excited for Matt to get those players. Though. I'm sure he is, too. What trade did you make? Oh, today I traded Waskar Inoa, uh, one year $7, and I got back Alex Cobb, one year 11 So, just a little okay. pitching for now for pitching for later. Of course, you know, you know, is back in the majors with the Braves right now, so he could see some starts and be pretty productive. The Braves are still, I mean, you know, they're a little out of the, the wild card, but, you know, they still have hopes. I think that it's not impossible they make the playoffs. So, you know, you know, it could be really useful going forward, and especially at, you know, 12 bucks next year. That's a high upside arm yeah. that, you know, Rody could, Rody could potentially employ. And that was, honestly, it was a three text message trade. I said, how about this? He said, what's the cost? And I said, this, this was my logic. He said, send it. So there you go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> my favorite kind of negotiations. Man. I was about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, if I'm not mistaken, your Mookie Betts negotiation was very similar. It, it was, yep. Matt said, hey, I'll text you when I get off work. And I said, all right, sounds good. And he's like, all right, so what are we doing here? And there you go. That's that's what we do. So, <laughs> yep, Excellent. Yep. That's tremendous, man. So, like we said, it's a busy week for real shit. We have caught you up on the league, but we have got two big dates ahead of us in real shit. One of them, the first one, it is Thursday at uh, – Tyler, you'll have to correct me here, but I believe it is – Midnight Eastern, so it's going to be 11 Central Standard Time, midnight EDT, on Thursday, August the 11th. It is the trade deadline for a league that loves to trade. For, you know, we said it a second ago, eight teams are still in the hunt. Eight teams are kind of out of it. That's a pretty even slate. And you and I have broken down a couple of trades that we think... This is all very fictional, obviously. That goes without saying. Mm. This is something that is not mm. set in stone, but we are just maybe playing matchmaker. Is that a good way to say it, Tyler? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. We're just playing yeah. matchmaker. We're just trying to see if there are two eligible dancers who may not see one another across the crowded gymnasium that we could put together and, you know, start wiggling the hips and see if something comes out of this. Maybe it's a trade baby. Yep. I hope it is. They just need a little push, that's all. They just need a little push, baby. That's all you need. So, I've got three trades, and I've ranked mine in order of the least interesting to the most interesting. 
So uh, if you okay. would like to, I could share a trade first, and then you share one, or uh, you could go first. What do yeah. you think? No, that sounds good. You go ahead. Okay. So the first trade that I have in mind is my least interesting trade, uh, and that's strictly because, you know, I don't know that it's necessarily a, poss- a trade that's possible. Uh, and that would be between <laughs> the Yankees and the Marlins. And <laughs> hey. let's uh, let's just take the curtain back a little bit. Uh, Scott, I don't know if Scott's going to be hearing this. Obviously, he's he's heard the podcast previously. Um, Scott did leave the league uh, very early into this season, and it, you know, without without you know putting blame on anything, Freddie and I have had a difficult time nailing down a new manager. He and I did, and this is I cannot guarantee this is going to happen. So please do not take this to gospel. He and I have discussed trying to get somebody in before the prospect draft. Hopefully it would be before the trade deadline, if not at least before the prospect draft. I can't promise anything, but we would like to try. So uh, he and I haven't spoken today. I'd like to see it happen. You know, no promises though. Anyway, because I don't know that it's a plausible trade, uh, this is my least interesting one, although I do think it could help both teams. So when I looked at the Yankees, Tyler, what I saw that he could use is a shortstop to maybe fill the gap until either Jazz Chisholm or Fernando Tatis Jr. Kyle definitely has kind of the all-world shortstops right now, but they're both hurt. He could use a stopgap and then maybe somebody to fill in on the bench for him. He could also use some starting pitching. So I've got Yankees. I've got Kyle receiving Keegan Thompson of the Cubs and Nick Gordon of the Twins, an old friend of his. And then in exchange, the Marlins team would get Kyle Mueller, Brandon Marsh, and Domingo Herman. And my logic here is that Marlins, this team needs some youth, it needs some talent, it needs some upside. Mueller could start as soon as next season. Marsh is obviously going to have at least a five-year run in Philadelphia based on the trade that we just saw IRL. Domingo Herman was not traded at the deadline. The Yankees obviously want to give him some pull. I don't know that he's necessarily a playoff starter for them, but they have him around and his talent will play in nearly any organization. I mean, he's definitely, I think on the best team, he would be a five starter. So, and that would be like the Dodgers or somebody that has just tons of pitching talent. So Herman's got a job pretty set. Marlins has the cash in order to make this happen. He could just take, you know, I think it's $46 if at my last glance. Uh, I think this could be an interesting trade. The reason it is placed so low on my list, though, of interest is just because I don't think it could happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like it, though. I do like it. Uh, you know, your mind looked really good in his last start, so yeah, um, he could be a nice little building block for whoever takes over the Marlins. The Yeah, the former, um, the former Marlins. They may not even be Marlins by the end of the week. Yeah. I tell you what, I do like Brandon Marsh. I think, um, I think that he. <laughs> I, unfortunately, the Angels are probably one of the worst organizations in baseball. Accurate. And um, yeah, and uh, Marsh. Hopefully, him getting traded, especially to a legit contender. I don't know. Maybe maybe he'll turn it into another gear and really show us something this last half. I think so. Um, he he hits the ball very hard, and uh, yeah, I agree with you. I had to throw that in. I'm a big fan of Brandon Marsh. Not a big fan of what we had to give to get Brandon Marsh, but that's another story for another day. Tyler, tell me about your first trade, dog. Okay, so my first trade is the most fictional <laughs> because I know it will not happen Okay, because it is with two teams that really don't like each other. I already know and where this is going, and I don't one like of this. Them, and, one, and one of them I don't think exists. So uh, I got the Phillies and the Astros making a trade here. Um, so I was looking at uh, the team's stats, and I noticed that your Phillies could use some help in the ERA and WHIP departments. Could we um, ever. I think you're about yeah. middle. Yeah, you're about middle of the pack, I think, league-wise. Um, so if Astros, who probably won't hear this, um, ever makes a trade, which he probably should, cause he's not going to get into the playoffs this year. Um, I'm looking at the Phillies acquiring Chris Bassett from the Astros, mm. but, but the Phillies are going to have to pay a mighty price. 
because okay. Chris Bassett has been good, very good. He's on, I think he's fringe top 50 player in Yahoo this year uh, for a first-place team. Um, and he's on a $16 contract, so he's a keeper for another year or two. Mm-hmm. So I've got the Phillies acquiring Chris Bassett, and I have the Astros in return acquiring Jose Miranda. And I know you probably knew that was coming. Yeah, I did. <laughs> um, but I was looking at, you know, the Phillies' young, cheap pieces, and I think that he would probably be the easiest to move. Um, not saying that he's not as good as the other guys, but, I mean, you know, when you look at Julio and, uh, oh, who's your other dollar guy? Hunter Green. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know – all three of those guys are awesome. Uh, it, un- unbelievable that you have all three of them on dollar deals right now. So, um, yeah. So, I'm, I'm, I was looking at that trade. I think that could be a fit if it ever actually happened, which it won't um, for <laughs> obvious reasons. But I do like the idea. I do think that Chris Bassett could help the Phillies a whole lot down the stretch. Well, I, I definitely can see the logic. I think that it's sound logic. I don't, uh, yeah, I don't have anything to say. Uh, you know, it's not happening. You know how much, Tyler, you know how much I love I to trade. You know how much I, I love know. to push and contend. I've reached out to yep. every team in this league with the exception of Voldemort, and I don't plan to. So there you go. See, unfortunately, it, it could work, but it won't. So. I like that our first two trades. Who you got got next? I like that our first two trades are just kind of me and Kyle mired in like, well, if this guy existed, we'd be we'd be happy to do something. (laughs) Anyway, that's funny. All right, so my number two trade, and I've uh, crowned this my silver place trade, or I guess silver medal trade. Silver place isn't a thing. Anyway, it is between. Tyler Jackson's Rays and Mr. Clay Carver's Giants. You guys have been longtime trade partners. You guys have hooked up a thousand times on trades over the years, and I think you could find something to work once more. Like I said, Tyler, looking at your team, you addressed you addressed some outfield needs. You addressed some second base kind of not a hole because you've got a good second baseman. I think that you could find maybe a flex piece. And Betts was that. But looking at your team now, I see maybe some third base opportunity to buy, and I see an outfield opportunity to buy. So I have got the Rays acquiring a pair of Milwaukee Brewers, Luis Arias and Hunter Renfro. Two guys that can definitely bop. They're playing on a, I mean, a good team, a team you're obviously very familiar with as a Cardinals fan. And in exchange, this is, I'm interested to hear your your kind of gauge here because in exchange to Clay, he's going to be getting Michael King, James Altman, and the big piece back, Chris Sale. And I think the logic here is that at this point in time, now that we know that Sale has killed himself again and is, you know, dead for the rest of the season, uh, you know, if it's not the the crazy walls in the clubhouse, it's, you know, a bicycle. And, you know, if only he could stay on the mound because his contract for you, if I'm not mistaken, Tyler, is 113. Uh, he's at 18 this year. 18. So even still for a, I mean, when healthy, easily a top 20 starter that's i mean that's all day easy money and real mm-hmm. shit mm-hmm. i think that i think that clay's team clearly looking to next year you know he's got these power pitchers at the top of his team you know he's got gonzo he has freddie peralta he's got carlos rodon he's got um he has a fourth pitcher who i'm forgetting but adding a chris sale type to kind of stabilize that and make pitching a strength i think that clay would be really into that and i think that you with your pitching depth that you have now you can stand to move sale you can stand to move a guy like michael king who was kind of underratedly one of the most valuable players in fantasy baseball this season um big fan of what he did and altman showed out i mean he showed out man i think that that would just be a really beneficial trade for both sides, from my opinion. You get some more depth and be able to fill in with quality bats. Clay gets some pieces for the future. Yeah, um, I do like the idea. Uh, none of the guys that you mentioned that I'd be giving up are like really helping me right now. Right. So, you know, if I really truly am going for it, then this would be the type of deal that I need to make. Um, so. 
It would be tough for me to trade for two Brewers, though. That would be tough. Um, it would be. Uh, I think another reason why a trade like this does make sense is because we don't really know when Wander Franco's coming back. Um, you know, he's he's been hurt most of the year, and I think I might have a little different outlook if the, if someone like that was healthy because – I could play uh I could play Simeon at second and move Wander to short or I could um pretty sure Wander has third base eligibility too. So that's yeah. a that's something. So him being hurt is put me unfortunately into a position like this. So yeah, I do think that the trade makes sense and uh maybe who knows, something I may have to look into. We'll see. I, You know, like I said, just try to play matchmaker, baby. Try to play matchmaker. Yeah. I'm interested to hear your yeah. number two, man. What what have you got brewing over there? <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> okay, my number two is a trade that I think makes sense. Uh, obviously, or I wouldn't throw this out here. Um, <laughs> right. So... so it's between the Cardinals, uh, Alex Rhodes' Cardinals, and Mr. Paul's A's. Okay. Um, now, uh, you know, we've seen Paul. He's he's trying to sell some guys. Um, but this, this guy is someone that I don't think he was really looking to sell. Um, but the return that Alex could send back may be, may be at least tempting. Okay. So really, really enticing. I looked at the – yeah, so the uh, I looked at team stats. This my, I base a lot of these on team stats and how you know teams could improve the most. Cardinals is kind of like uh, the Phillies, where um, he's kind of middle of the pack in some pitching categories, like the the um, the ratio stats, WHIP and ERA. So I really think that a guy like Zach Gallant could help the Cardinals out a lot right now. Um, he's on a pretty good contract. Two years, $22. Um, so I really don't think that Paul would want to trade him. But I could see him at least maybe considering it or at least talking to Alex about it if he got a return, such as Alec Thomas and Brett Beatty. Mm. Alec Thomas, he's on a one-year, $1 deal. Um, you know, he's he's played pretty well, I thought, you know, to be a rookie. Uh, coming up for the D-backs this year, he's playing pretty much every day in outfield, and he's got a nice little speed-power combo going on. He's hit more home runs than I think just about everybody thought he was going to hit. Um, and then I don't know if you've noticed, but Brett Beatty is destroying double-A pitching right now. <laughs> I am aware. So he, he is not far away. Um, I, I don't see why he wouldn't be promoted to triple-A before the season's over. Um, and maybe even – fighting for a roster spot in spring training for the Mets. You never know. That's very real possibility. So, um, I know Paul likes the guys that are going to help him sooner rather than later. And so um, I do like the return. I don't know if it would be enough for Zach Gallon, but I think it's at least close enough to warrant a conversation. Right. I definitely understand that. I think that you make a good point for sure. Uh, I, I'm not sure that it's enough, but like you said, I think that it at least gets the conversation rolling. I can't see a world where with his uh, with his current kind of inclination for next season that Paul wouldn't be interested in Beatty mm-hmm. or in Thomas. I don't know that Gallon is something he's looking to move, but I, yeah. I, I think I think like you said, maybe that gets the door open. So very interested. Yeah, I I almost threw a pitcher out there like uh, Giolito instead, but he's been just kind of underwhelming this year, so I don't know if he would really help Alex that much. So I didn't throw him out there. I, I, I get it. I get it. I mean, I think Paul would certainly like to move Giolito more, but, you know, that, that's oh, not yeah. always the way it works. All right. The yeah. gold medal, Tyler. The trade that I think would be the most – uh, I don't want to say earth-shattering because it's certainly not an earth-shattering trade, but it would be a big-ass wow kind of trade. And I think that the reason, one of the main reasons that it's so shocking is because of one of the members of the trade, and that would be Mr. Freddie Culver's Braves. 
Freddy, oh, Freddy on record hates trading, but uh, the record will also show that Freddie is sitting in eighth place. And if he's going to try to make the playoffs, he needs to make something happen. And I think that the person to help him is going to be a guy you linked up with just recently, and that's Mr. Matt Stonbaugh. And the idea that I present, Braves will receive Mike Clevenger, Clay Holmes, and J.D. Martinez. And in exchange, Tigers will get Aaron Ashby, Trevor Larnock, Drew Waters, Michael Lorenzen, and Caleb Killian. The logic here, of course, is that Matt receives two pieces that I would consider centerpiece-type young talent in Larnock and Ashby. He gets dart throws like Drew Waters, who since his trade has been exceptional. Looks like he could actually be a lot better than I expected him to be, really, over the last several years. Maybe a three-trio outcomes kind of hitter. He's shown a lot more power since going to Kansas City. Uh, Lorenzen, of course, is hurt, but Caleb Killian has been one of the most impressive arms in the minors over the last two seasons. Did have a brief cup of coffee, I believe, this season, and he's not helping Freddie currently. I think a guy like Clevenger certainly could, especially with the Padres. Clay Holmes has been one of the most dominant relievers in baseball. J.D. Martinez is an amazing batter. I think it's pretty much a no-brainer because Freddie could use some bench depth. I think an outfielder like Martinez obviously slots right in over guys like Rosario uh, who are kind of struggling coming back. He needs some saves. He needs some starting pitching. Makes sense to me. Tyler, real quick, give me your thoughts on this because I know that this uh, this recording session, we're running a little slow on time. We've got about six minutes and 45 seconds. So give me a quick hit on what you think of this and then hit me with your third trade. Okay, um, this is a massive deal if it actually happened, um, <laughs> but I, I do love the, I do love what Freddie's getting. I think that all of those guys could help him right away. Um, yeah, that would be huge for him, especially if he really wants to make a push here and get into the playoffs. Um, now, with that being said, um, I am I am currently in sixth place, and Freddie, I believe, is like four games behind me, something like that. So it's not a lot of – there's not a lot of space there. Like, I'm very uneasy. So, um, you know, I do think that would be a great trade for Braves and I also do – I love the return for Matt, uh, especially getting a guy like Ashby who is just K-ing everybody up and looks really good. (laughs) Agreed. Um, So, with that being said, my last trade is something that, honestly, I don't want to see – but it makes a lot of sense. Um, it's uh, between the Mariners, who is, you know, guy right in front of me in the standings. He's gotten on my nerves all year because he's a little <laughs> gnat and he just won't go away. Right. Um, and I've got him hooking up with the Pirates. Um, Pirates. Uh, he's got one more big trading trade piece right here, and I think that him trading Eloy Jimenez to the Mariners makes a lot of sense. Yep. The Mariners, he's got a ton of pitching. He's he's top three in just about every pitching category. Um, but what he lacks a little bit is in the power department. He could use um, power, some RBIs, and maybe a little OPS boost. Mm-hmm. And a guy like Eloy coming back from um, injury, um, he's looked pretty good so far. And he would be huge, huge help to Mariners. And uh, because Mariners' pitching staff is so deep, uh, I don't think he would mind getting rid of someone like Framber Valdez, who is on a pretty good contract and who could help the Pirates for a few years to come. Um, so I like I like the look of the trade. Like if I was one of these teams, I'd probably look at this, but I really hope it doesn't happen because I don't want Mariners getting Eloy. <laughs> So very good. Very, very good. Very well said. So guys, obviously none of this is set in stone. This is all just me and Tyler being some silly boys. And I'll tell you, I looked at some teams like I looked at Blue Jays. I looked at Cubs. I looked at Padres. I looked at Alex's Red Sox. A lot of the teams had fits. It's just I did want to stick to the kind of theme me and you were saying where it was an NL and AL team hooking up, but maybe if you didn't hear your team discussed, maybe it's because I think there's a little interleague something-something you could make happen. You'll have to explore that for yourself, though. Tyler, 
We've talked about our favorite segments. We've talked about the prospect draft. We've talked about some trades we think could go down before the trade deadline, but something else we need to talk about, buddy. We need to talk about an old friend that we have not discussed in uh, many, many moons, oh, almost a year now, if not more, and that is none other than past Drew. Oh, my gosh. That's my guy right there. <laughs> Likewise. I feel very close to him, <laughs> as you might imagine. Literally. 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 <laughs> quite close. So, anyway. He's, he's sitting in the seat with you. <laughs> he is. He's he's uh, taking up a lot of this damn room, but uh, that's okay. It's nice to cuddle with the guy. It's good to be back in the saddle with you, buddy, and with Pass Drew. So, as we always do, if you don't mind, could you kick it to Pass Drew, and we will let him spin the tale of what's been going on and what you can achieve with Anchor if you're looking to start a podcast. Spin that tale, Pass Drew. Wow, Tyler, it was so good to hear from Pass Drew. That guy, you know, it, it's nice to see that he's still saying the same old thing he's been saying for over a year now. Yeah, you know, it, it never changes, but it also couldn't be any better. That's true. You know, it's like a it's like a warm sweater, an old pair of shoes. There's comfort. That's right. Familiar. Comfort yeah. familiar. Yeah. But there's also some comfort with the unfamiliar, and I think that somebody specific is going to be a, a new sensation for the podcast, a new sensation for the league. We have a special guest joining us. It's his first year in the league. He has taken to it like a duck to water. We are welcoming now Mr. Peter Williams, the manager of the Real Ship Pirates. Peter, how are you, sir? Well, I'm good. Thank you for the uh, Southern charm and uh, and welcoming in here from the west the West Coast. We could use a little more kindness occasionally out here. I'm doing good, man. I've been having a blast in the league and excited uh, to take the Pirates from 16th to 14th place. So. <laughs> hey, there was nowhere you could go but up, dude. It's true. <laughs> Yes, thank you. I'm so happy that you uh, that you could join us. Uh, for you guys at home, you didn't get to see it. Tyler and I got to see Peter's lovely garden. It is just beautiful and green, ooh, ooh. and it does it does not look to be uh, mired in the heat wave that we are here in the American South. And so that alone puts it in a better spot than where we are at. It must be very comfortable there, right? It's very comfortable, 75 every day, and, uh, you know, never hot. I just look at the rest of the country and, and uh, laugh in my arrogant uh, superiority. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you've got a couple of things that you can be arrogant and superior about, and one such thing, buddy, is the topic of the second half of our podcast today, and uh, it's one that you know very well. It is the Real Shit Farm Draft 2022. You, sir... Your Pirates have the number one overall selection. And before we get into any specifics, I'm curious. You're making, let's take a look at my handy-dandy spreadsheet here. You're going to be making three picks in the draft, if I'm not mistaken. That's true. That's true. Yeah, three picks. Are you excited? I, we Tyler and I were speaking earlier about how this is kind of an enormous week for real shit. Two of our favorite days of the year combined into one week, the trade deadline plus the prospect draft. It's like Christmas and my birthday rolled into one. It really is. It almost feels kind of like um, you guys were in cahoots with the MLB when they decided to take <laughs> the first year player draft and put it on all-star weekend, um, which it was a, you know, a phenomenal idea. And so trade deadline prospect draft definitely goes together. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm thoroughly excited. I'm just Really bummed that I decided to trade for Cole Wynn at the beginning of the season because, and no one wanted to take him off my hands. No shade on him, but man, there's so many good, good uh, players out there that I'm excited to to look for. Most certainly. I felt the shade. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Cole Wynn. I just real briefly on Cole Wynn. He's a guy that, uh, matter of fact, he's been drafted twice. He He's one of very few prospects to have been picked twice in our league. I actually picked him the first time around. Big fan of Cole Wynn. But, you know, this season he just has not looked like himself. I know he's had some flashes, but I'm not quite out on Cole Wynn. You did say a mouthful, though, Pete. In my opinion, this is the second most loaded prospect draft our league has ever seen. And that's only second to the first time that we did one where we had the entire minor leagues at our disposal. 
And I think that you're absolutely right in expressing such such excitement for this draft. Tyler, we were talking last night, buddy. Do you agree with that? Do you think this is as deep a draft as Pete and I seem to? Yeah, I think that a lot of draft clocks will go farther than the first five minutes because it is going to be tough to pick some guys, to, to choose one person. It's going to be tough. Absolutely. I think that you, you're you absolutely right, pal. It's going to be a tricky thing for certain teams to choose who they want on their team because, like you said, for the first time in a minute, the first round is even in flux. A lot of the time we could say, you know, the first round, we have a pretty clear idea of how it might go, especially based on, you know, how teams are falling. You know, Pete, your team, like you said, kind of at the at the back half. Marlins, the team, uh, the Marlins team is, you know, kind of who knows what's going on with them right now. We kind of mentioned that earlier, by the way, Pete. You'll have to wait till you can hear the full the full episode to hear all that. But uh, don't know really what's going to happen with those draft picks. But uh, you know, you guys, we know that y'all are going to look for something to build on long term. Whereas a team maybe like Dan's Padres picking third overall, he might be looking for immediate help. So you know, obviously in past years we've been able to detect things like that, but still. Those gaps, they're just not as easy to predict, Tyler. I think, you, I think you're absolutely right, man. It's going to be a tricky draft to predict, but we've got a lot of good players on the market and on the table for it. So, fellas, here's what I've got in mind to propose. I know that all of our league mates, they are anxiously awaiting this prospect draft. Everybody's going to have at least one pick to be made. Uh, the, uh, yeah, everybody's got at least one pick. Many teams have two. We've got four teams going to be making five picks in this draft. At least they're available to make five picks, so I, should, I should say. So it's going to be a good one. 47 picks on the table. Rather than give people picks from the entire pool, why don't we talk about some first-year player draft players, huh? Some guys that were just drafted. Let's do it. Okay, so uh, Pete, let's kick it to you, man. In your opinion, who would you say is the player, if, if, hypothetically, I don't want to put any words in your mouth, bud, if you were going to pick a first-year player draft first overall, who would be the guy that Peter Williams says you are the future of the Pirates from the first-year player draft class? Well, how about a little tease here and say that my very first pick is not going to be a first-year player draft, Ooh. and maybe towards the podcast I will reveal that if people keep listening on in. But if Ooh. I were, you know, I've been thinking for, I don't know, like five, six months, and I was uh, in different leagues. I was kind of moving around picks because I was just so excited. Um, I've been for- forever excited about – Elijah Green and Tamar Johnson. And um, I didn't get the hype on Drew Jones until, and, and, you know, not to take away from him and the pedigree and all that stuff, but uh, I didn't get it until recently. And I was like, okay, all right. I think I was just trying to be a contrarian. Uh, But I don't know, you know, it's, um, I think, I think I would lean Tamar Johnson uh, simply because um, he just has that hit tool that says, that he's going to hit over 300. Seems like he might be able to add some pop. Uh, he's going to be an on-base guy. Um, I, you know, Pittsburgh hasn't done the best with everybody over the course of time, but it feels like perhaps they're they're right in the ship there. So if it was a first-year player draft, I think I would go – what did he get picked fourth or something like that? I think I would actually move him to the top. Very interesting. Uh, you know, I love it. Well said. Tyler, what about you? If if you're first pick, buddy, and you're going to be all the way at 16, so damn, you know, you, you're going to have a lot of time to wait. But if you're first pick, if let's say you had the first overall, Tyler, in some cruel twist of fate, mm. tell me, buddy, if you had to pick a first-year player draft guy, number one, who would you pick? Ooh, um, it's just tough. I think that the – combination of all the tools i think the two guys i like the most that could be that could develop into top tier players would be drew jones and elijah green um i think if everything works out perfectly for elijah green i think he could be a steal even at number five overall for the nats in the actual draft um but on the other end if Green doesn't work out, he's going to be 
one of the biggest top five busts in a long time. So um, I'm interested to see how he goes or how he how he develops. Um, of course, I like Drew Jones. And, you know, really, even though he was number one overall, I felt like a lot of people are sleeping on Jackson Holiday. Um, as weird as that sounds. Um, and I, I like I like Holiday. Dude hit like, what, 800 or something in high school last year? He had ridiculous uh, numbers. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he's he's good. I don't know if he, he's going to have as much power as, say, uh, Elijah Green possibly or Drew Jones. Um, but I like all three of those guys. But if I just had to pick one right now, I don't see how I couldn't pick Drew Jones. Very interesting. Very interesting. So, to combine with what you guys are both saying, Drew Jones, obviously a ton of talent. I think that he will see a little bit of a drop in my first-year player draft kind of rankings, so to say. Not that I do those for any certain reason. But, uh, (laughs) wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But, anyway, uh, Jones is going to be a little bit lower, and I think it's the shoulder surgery. I'm curious to see if Mm. some of the power projection that people are looking for can develop uh, post-shoulder surgery. Now, granted, this is a a teenager, and one with a, a documented work ethic, one with documented bloodlines, so I'm not worried about it. Tamar Johnson... Pete, you said a mouthful, buddy. He's got a hit tool for days. The the most beautiful swing, the most classy hit tool in the entire first-year player draft. But he's got big power, too. This is a kid that was putting balls out of Tropicana Field at, I think, 17 mm-hmm. years old. He has monster power with a hit tool. And, I, I mean, if, if all told, he ends up with, you know, 60, 55, 60 for his first three tools, I'm not going to be surprised. Yeah, I could, I could totally foresee, you know, second base, uh, shortstop is as deep as can be. Um, second base has a few guys at the top, and and I don't see a massive wave coming that way. So if you're talking about position, uh, you know, depth, that Tamar Johnson could, could be strong there. I, I was smitten, I guess, with Elijah Green, so I totally um, agree with you, Tyler. Elijah Green, just watching videos of him since he was like a sophomore or junior in high school and just seeing the power that that guy had, I, you know, the, the strikeout uh, rate is, is yeah, pretty uh, – It's pretty concerning. Mm-hmm. But, man, imagine an outfield in Washington with him and Robert Hassel, uh, the third, like – yeah, that could, be, that could be compelling for years to come if if they both work out. Yep, I agree. Could be something really special to say the very least. Uh, obviously, Washington has a ton of outfield talent, but that seems like a discussion for another day, perhaps even another podcast. Uh, real quick, guys, I'll give you a couple. You know, if I had to put a number one stamp right now on a first year player draft guy. I think I'm taking a lot of green. <laughs> I think that those the upside is just so tantalizing for me. It seems mm-hmm. like if everything breaks correctly, you could have what I think the prospecting world wanted Byron Buxton to be. And so mm-hmm. if you want to call this a Byron mm-hmm. Buxton comp, that's what I'll call it. It's a Byron Buxton comp. If he can stay healthy and these tools all manifest as projected, worst case scenario, you end up with a guy like Manny Margot, who has been a you know solid major leaguer to a great major leaguer in flashes. And I think that would be a perfectly acceptable outcome for a player like Elijah Green, who has taken fifth overall. I think that would be a wonderful outcome for the Nationals with obviously a much, much higher ceiling. A guy that I'd like to kind of just touch on real quick that none of us have mentioned How about Brooks Lee? This is a professional hitter. He is a guy whose only knock, honestly, going through draft season was injuries that have been poo-pooed time and again because he played. He played this year. I mean, players are going to be injured, but this is a kid who does everything the right way. And when I say that, I'm saying because, you know, his dad, Larry Lee, the coach at Cal Poly, has instilled in Brooks the way to play the game the right way. And I know that you guys are both big baseball fans. I don't have to elaborate on that for you, so I'm not going to. The kid does it right. Love his talent. Love his skill set. I think that Brooks Lee could be a big steal for a team in the real shit prospect draft, especially because I'm projecting he could move pretty quickly through a system. So... Very excited to see what comes of him. Uh, there's some other players on the list that you know I'm obviously a big fan of, but 
before we bog ourselves down with all that, uh, well, better before it, better yet, uh, Pete, any other players you'd like to shout out? Just a guy that you really dig really quickly. First year players. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, just to uh, add on um, to Lee there, that's, that's the university uh, just an hour down the way from here. And, uh, uh, Cal Poly's produced some some real uh, decent players throughout the time, and uh, you know his dad's that hitting guru. I could totally see him, like like you said, flying through a system, um, almost like a hit tool, kind of like if I remember when Nick Gonzalez was was coming out, and, and Nick Gonzalez is definitely he slowed down a little bit this this particular year. Um, yeah, somebody somebody else. I mean, to uh, to throw out there. Um, I'm real curious uh, about uh, Dylan Lesko, you know, the Padres mm-hmm. picking him up. Um, he's a guy who was supposed to be, you know, frontline starter, high school guy, you know, upper 90s, just blowing people away before he has, uh, I think he had Tommy John, right? He and did, yes. uh, yeah, so I, man, you add some weight, you add some age. This is a guy who's, He's going to be – I don't know if you all saw Camilo Duvall throw 103 yesterday. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, striking yeah. out uh, – yeah, striking out Josh Bell to end the game. This uh, You know, this is the kind of guy who seems like he could throw something like that with ease. And I, I don't know if he makes it in uh, to the first-year player draft with that injury. Maybe a little bit late, a late-round flyer, but that that's, a, that's somebody to watch. Most definitely. Tyler, any thoughts on Dylan? Let's go. Or would you like to shout out – uh, just another first-year player draft guy that you're digging. Uh, yeah, I've got another guy that I really like. Um, I think some people who haven't actually watched him pitch think, or they they think that he got picked too high. Um, but shout out to my Ole Miss Rebels for winning the national championship. Um, but the guy that we had to, the guy we had to play in the last game was Cade Horton. And he got picked seventh overall by the Cubs, and that dude is electric. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, um, nasty. He also throws just absolute gas, um, and he was making us look bad. Uh, I mean, really, you know, we came back and won that game because of a couple of uh, errors and uh, some timely hits. And uh, I mean, it was beautiful. It was beautiful, but. Um, but, yeah, Cade Horton really showed out. And I know he's coming from college, but he was only a sophomore this year. He's still a young guy. Um, so, I think a lot of people think, like, oh, he's a college arm. So, you know, he's already, like, 24 years old. No, that's not true. I think this guy's 21. So, um, if, if, if I'm thinking right. Um, but, yeah, I was really impressed with him during the College World Series. And – I think that he could move up very, very quickly in the Cubs system because they need pitching. Most certainly. And I, I'm definitely with you on Horton being an incredible value, even at this point, because people, they do tend to overrate, or I'm sorry, they do tend to underrate him because of, I don't know if it's because, you know, the Sooners couldn't quite get it done. I don't know if it's because he is just so young. But there's some interesting factoids I want to throw out to you guys. Kate Horton's slider, which was his. I mean, sickening out pitch in the College Just World Series. Stupid. Yeah, it is so nasty. Tyler, did you hear that he learned that pitch in a bullpen session from a teammate during, like, Super Regionals or Regionals? <laughs> no, been, I didn't he's been hear throwing that. that. He's been throwing that pitch for, like, roughly three months and was drafted oh on the back of a fastball, and that pitch he's been throwing for three months. If the Cubs system okay. – if the Cubs system can just add, a, I mean, a show me changeup, a, I mean, yeah. a, a bad curveball, yep. you've got two yep. plus pitches, plus you know a, a, a rounded arsenal. I think at worst, Kate Horton is looking like an eighth or ninth inning menace, <laughs> but at best, like I, you said, a kid with tons of talent that's shown yeah. for striking out a national he's, championship team. He's he's like. I mean, he looks like he could be an ace, but he pitched like a dog out there too. And I love that kind of mentality from a pitcher. You know what I'm saying? Agreed. A hundred percent. I love that. I love that. Like he was not going to lose that game if he could help it, which he really didn't. He didn't lose the game. But um, like imagine if a guy can develop a new pitch like that 
in what a month, uh, less than a sure. month, sure, and yeah. use it like that on the national stage. Like, what is he going to do when some random teammate shows him how to throw a twelve to six curveball, or I mean, let's, like you said, like yeah. a circle change or a splitter or something? Like, uh, oh my uh, god! Imagine if this kid had <laughs> imagine a, a fastball, a splitter, and his slider. That would be so sickening. Imagine if Ugh. Shohei Otani shows him how to throw a splitter. <laughs> so, are you telling me you think Shohei's going to go to the yeah. Cubs, Tyler? What do you say? Go to the Cubs. That's what I was going to say. Are you breaking news? Here? I mean, you know. <laughs> He wants to play with Suzuki, right? <laughs> oh my God! Don't get me started. I need to. I need to. Okay, because I hadn't got to do it all year. Say Suzuki's the greatest player in baseball. Fight me! I swear to God, he's the truth. Anyway, 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 uh, because I hadn't got to say it. On remember the when you traded the Cy Young con, uh, guy, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sandy Alcantara, for uh, yeah. say Suzuki? You know, I thought about that this be, morning. Uh, actually, I, I kind of sat there. I was like, you know, let's just say hypothetically something goes wrong with my season this year. When can I point to? having it all fall apart and i can remember <laughs> like floating you know those cartoons like uh, a lady puts a pie on a windowsill and the poor sap just kind of floats the smoke is like possessed him floating through the air that's what i saw myself like looking at alex anderson's say a suzuki share in real shit and so obviously i just you know shilled out everything i i gave him craig kimbrell i gave him nick prado i gave him sandy alcantara i, I mean hell he yeah. got he got aj pollock who's been i mean a, fi- a decent outfielder in the deal. And so in return, I get my favorite player. So, you know, don't have favorite players, kids. That's the moral of the story. It's dangerous. Oh, yeah. It's, it's dangerous. So anyway, uh, good conversation there, guys. I think we brought up a couple of good guys just for, you know, our league mates to maybe keep in the back of their minds or maybe in the peripheral if they hear something about, you know, if Cade Horton jumps out to somebody, pick him because obviously we're fans of him here and we can see some potential no. there. Don't pick him. I'll pick him. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So Tyler's going to pick. Yeah, Tyler's going to pick oh, Cade Horton oh, yeah, at sixteen. Yeah, yeah. Is what I hear. Tyler's going to pick Cade uh, Horton at sixteen. But uh, without without asking you to give your strategy away, because I know that that's just a really crooked thing to do. And Pete, if there's anything we are not, it's crooked. So tell me, what do you what do you have in mind? Like, what is your perspective? Because, buddy, first year in the league, you're rebuilding. You're doing a great job, man. You've got some great talent, some great pieces for the future, but you're getting to make a monumental pick here. What's going through yeah. your mind as you're narrowing this field to say, this is my number one overall player? Yeah, you know, it's um, with only seven, um, seven prospect slots, it feels like there's pretty consistent turnover. And uh, so that's where um, one of the reasons why I wouldn't go for like uh, Drew Jones or Tamar Johnson to be to begin it off uh, simply because I kind of want a guy who might be there even a little bit faster. Um, I, uh, you know, proximity is a pretty big deal um, and obviously talent. So I don't know, you know, let's let's just back up a few years. I think like when Wander Franco was, you know, first, I want to say if I'm, if I'm recalling correctly, when he was first time, maybe that would have been somebody like you're taking right away um, with that number one pick. But here um, I feel like there's just so many other guys um, that make, you know, Drew Jones and Tamar Johnson, Elijah Green, they're great. But there's so many other names out there that are young still, very young, uh, who are going to be foundational pieces. Um, and uh, and so you can get both, you know, the best of both worlds. And really, for me, um, having traded away Darvish and Nola this year, I don't have any frontline pitchers to give you another tease. And so I got to I got to be looking uh, for one of those pitching building blocks to be able to uh, build around. Very nice. Very nice. Well, that is, uh, you know, I think I have narrowed it down based on what you've said to who you're going to be picking, Tyler. Uh, I'm sure you're oh, kind of in the same boat. I, I think, I think that we just, we we just threw Kate Horton enough out there that we just convinced <laughs> him to take him number one overall. You, you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> number one in the draft is Kate Horton. Uh, real, real, real quick, because Pete, I've got a couple more questions for you. Tyler, I want to ask you some questions about picking at number 16. 
Uh, Tyler, real, real quick, have you mm. ever had a number one overall pick in one of our prospect drafts? Uh, no, I think my highest one was number two, the first, the first draft we had. Okay. Cause and if I remember right, I took Glaber Torres. I think that's correct. Um, I was asking because Pete, I actually, uh, in our original couple of prospect drafts, we had our, our selections available to be traded. And so, uh, the second year, I made, I want to say, five of my seven selections in the first round. And one of them was yeah. a first, was the number one overall. And so I can tell you, it certainly is uh, kind of a, 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 a lot of pressure to do that and make a number one overall selection. But mine was Hunter Green. I thought very similar to you. I want to take a player that I can build on for years. Obviously, it's a guy I'm a big fan of, so I like that there. Uh, Tyler, real quick, you are one of four teams that are going to be making five selections. Those teams are Dan's Padres, Matt Stomball's Tigers, my Philadelphia Phillies, and your Tampa Bay Rays. Tyler, you're picking 16th overall, though. You're literally on the opposite end of the field of Pete. Really quickly, tell me. I know that your strategy has to be wait and see. You can't make any plans because you don't know what's going to be available to you, but is the benefit of making five selections, uh, I guess, a suitable consolation prize to having to wait? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, it does suck having to wait until the 16th pick, but like me and you have talked about, this draft is just so deep that, um, I mean, even the guy that I get at 16 is going to be a very, very notable prospect. So... Um, I'm really not that worried about that. There, there are a couple guys at the very top, like the guy that Peter's going to pick that I wish I could have. Um, but, <laughs> but uh, having the last, uh, having five picks is going to be really nice too. Cause I think um, in between my third and fourth pick, there's only like maybe four or five picks. Oh, I, yeah. I was, the same I was about to tell thing. you that. Uh, so your first yeah. pick, You'll have 15 picks between your first and second, seven picks between your second and third, five picks between your third and fourth, four picks between your fourth and fifth. So, yeah. so I'm going to have, uh, I mean, it, it's going to be really hard for me to screw this up. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Accurate. Theoretically speaking, you could say that of available prospects, you will be adding five of the top 50 available prospects. Theoretically Oh, without speaking. a doubt. So yes, sir. That's got to be a uh, pain to hear for all the other leagues, and especially knowing that it's four teams who I would categorize as being very strong in the prospect game. Uh, myself, you, Matt, and Dan. That's, uh, that's four heavy hitters with five picks, so it might be painful for quite a few teams. Uh, Pete, really quickly, uh, I know we don't have much time left on this recording, and I'm going to try to get one more good question to you before we kind of hit something else. You, sir, are going to have a much more evenly balanced spread. It's it's just about 16 picks, 15 picks between each of yours. Uh, you're getting to make three picks. I know you said you want to take a player that is kind of a, a building block, a fundamental piece, a top-of-the-line pitcher is what I believe you said exactly. Are you looking yes. to spread your picks across pitching entirely? Are you playing the waiting game? Are you looking maybe in the second and third round to take some first-year player draft guys? Or is it something that you're looking for sooner rather than later every pick? Yeah. You know, it'll be a wait game. I am I am anticipating taking an offensive player somewhere uh, in there with the second or third pick. I do want to see, like, who slips and who falls. Um first year player draft if there might be one of those solid names towards the top um, because there is so much talent um, available that's already in uh, been in the minor league systems you might find some of those top five six guys that make it to the top of the second round and I mean that would be money to uh, take one of those building block starting pitchers and then maybe a Lee you know falls or uh, you know, Jace Young or, you know, whoever falls into that that first spot right there of the second round that that could be that could be tantalizing right there. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm thinking of doubling up in that way. But, man, there's so many good pitching prospects, too. It makes me uh, 
And the way this pitching goes in this league, it feels like it's very tradable. Really? You would say that pitching is tradable? Yeah, yeah. That might be an understatement. Uh, but <laughs> Well, yeah, uh, people yeah. are desperate. Yeah, people people definitely need some pitching. I love that you I love that you said I love that your word there was tradable. That's fabulous. Uh real, real quick, guys, let's break it down. Uh the Marlins team, we said it earlier in the show, not sure what's going on with that. We'll try to update you on the board as we figure out. Gonna have two picks. Uh Dan's Padres gonna have five big picks. Clay, uh, we didn't think he was gonna have any. He's gonna have two picks now. Matt Stonball is gonna have five big picks. Looking forward to that. Voldemort, if he can remember to show up, he's gonna have two picks. Paul Little's team's going to have five picks. Uh, your boy, the Phils, we're going to have five picks, adding five to the fight in Phillies. Can't wait. Uh, Jandy Man, the Red Sox, they're going to add two picks. John Mayo's Blue Jays have got two picks available. Rody, he's only got one. I'm excited to see what he does with it, though. Uh, Fred Evans, my man, the commish, he has got four picks. Cardinals and Mariners, two guys at the top of the hunt, guys. They've got two picks each. They're going to be adding to their very loaded systems. Kyle, last year's champion, the Yankees, he's got three picks to make. And Tyler, you as well have five picks to make. Uh, guys, I think it's going to be a loaded draft. I'm so excited. Um, every year I tell myself, God, I should have taken off work because that Friday that we do this, I am just useless. And today at work, as a matter of fact, uh, the president of our company, she said to me, listen, you know, we're going to have some new products delivered that day. I think that I want you to have like a mini photo shoot. I'm going to need you to contact models. And real quick, I told her, I was like, guys, listen, I don't think it's going to be possible. Models, they're really, really picky. They don't want to work Fridays. And she kind of sat and nodded her head and said, maybe you're right. And I was thinking, thank God that I'm correct. So anyway, with that... Uh, with that, we are going to get off the air here. We are running out of time, and I did want to say, Pete, it has been such a pleasure talking with you, and thank you so much for coming on with us. Uh, real quick, if you don't mind, plug uh, where people can follow you, if you have any social medias that you'd like for them to follow you, uh, if you have any trade deadline stuff you're looking to do. Real, real quick, we've got about two minutes. Plug that for me. Yeah, well, at Peter Dub on, on Twitter. Uh, I don't post. I just, you know, stalk and creep a bunch. <laughs> a bunch of baseball accounts. Uh, so not, you know, not necessarily trying to build anything there other than, you, you know, see who I'm following, but um, yeah, trade deadline stuff. I have all kinds of uh, real cheap pitching that I've been trying to push out there. Um, you know, Burke, Montero, Tapera might have, you know, get some uh, save steals right there. Keller, He's out there. Uh, and then, you know, if you want to take a waiver for super cheap on uh, Eduardo Rodriguez or Alzale from Chicago, I don't know if he's even coming back. But, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. There you go. Okay, Tyler, real quick, where can people follow you at? And you've got about a minute. Where can uh, where can we find you between? You can find me on Twitter at PeppaJackson19. That's Peppa with an A, not an E-R. Love it. Anything you want to do over the trade deadline? Anything people can reach out or reach to you for? Man, I don't know. That that Mookie Best might have tapped me out, but we'll see. <laughs> I love it. I love wow. it. Well, thank you both so much for joining. I'm sorry, Pete, what? Oh, I said that was a blockbuster. Yeah. Sure it was. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. We are running out of time. You can follow me at DrewIsOkay on Twitter. We thank you so much for following us and for listening to the episode. Please be nice to each other. We love you. We will see you next time. Thank you so much, so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.